Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Welcome to our new home and uh, location at the uh, bottom of the Meyer building. For those of you that are on Zoom looking at us and not recognizing the background, we are in a new space, uh, which allows us to, to grow and allows the church to be able to use that balcony for some of the uh, events that we have that are big and, and we really need the, the space. One will be our celebration and then also mission focus. We all know we spent time in the balcony having to look at a screen when the stage is just on the other side of a wall that's only six inches. And so that will be sweet just to have that balcony back. And uh, eventually Pastor Will Mott and their class will be over here next week. So be praying about that transition for them as well. But uh, man, good morning. Glad to be with you. And if you have your Bible, we'll be turning to Acts chapter 24. Let me get situated, being in a new space, you know how that is, you know, it's like, I like to move around. And so I don't know what my range of motion I have is, we'll see, the guys will yell at me. if I. Okay, now, so just as a way of review, for those of you that haven't been with us, uh, the chief captain at this point has moved Paul due to a plot that he found out by Paul's nephew uh, of 40 plus Jewish men that have made a vow not to eat until they have killed Paul. Uh, this is a dire situation that needs to be taken seriously. And so the Lord, in his deliverance of Paul, has moved on the heart of the chief captain in order to say, man, we got to get you out of here. And so now he's been moved to Caesarea in order to be heard by the governor there. And... Uh, Paul was told, I will hear thee when your accusers come. He is now being kept in Herod's judgment hall. And so that's where we're going to kind of pick it up this morning. But before that, let's pray, and then we'll dive into it. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that uh, you would just remove me. Thank you so much, Lord, just for providing this building. We, I mean, we knew we needed it, but it is evident that we needed it. And so thank you, Lord, just for uh, the wisdom that was given. Uh, the resources that was given. And uh, Lord, we pray that uh, we will bring you glory uh, in this place. We know that it is just uh, wood and concrete, but uh, ultimately, Lord, the, uh, the Bible can be taught here. Prayers can be made. Praise can be given. And so, Lord, we just pray that that will happen. And uh, Lord, just remove me, remove Pastor Kenny, who's now above me speaking. And we pray that, uh, Lord, that all the speakers that will be speaking today, Lord, that um, none of them would perform it, but just simply um, uh, be obedient to, uh, to your leading. And so, Father, be with us. Speak to your people. Encourage them. Direct them. Um, move them uh, forward in their faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, and so last week we had talked about uh, kind of just, we looked at the whole chapter. We're going to try to do that same thing again uh, this week. Last week was Vengeance is the Lord's. We saw that through those first uh, five verses. Your timeline is the Lord's. And we remember we were talking about deliverance and the whole thing that it needed to be understood about that when we're talking about vengeance or, or even a timeline is that those things should really, we should turn over to the Lord and let him handle them. Uh, one of the things that believers sometimes can do is get into situations where now they speak out of turn. And we saw that Paul had done that uh, when speaking to the high priest, uh, really because he's frustrated. He had been smited first and probably just in human nature, 
<laughs> it'd be very easy for you to go, well, he hit me first. I mean, that's what our kids tell us, right? We've heard that. And so then now he speaks out, not fully knowing, though, what his role was, and then immediately feeling that uh, kind of like, oh, man, I've, I've been wrong here, you know? And so we saw that, the timeline, just in terms of this plot to kill Paul, but again, as we're, we've seen already, we're going to see in the first verse, it's been five days. These guys ought to be very hungry uh, at this point, right? And so uh, the Lord is the one that will define when it is that your life will end or begin. Uh, and so I don't have to worry about that. I don't have now. That doesn't, does that mean I shouldn't work out and eat right and all of those things? No, come on. Don't be ridiculous. Um, you want to have a good quality of life. And as you age, that becomes more challenging. And so how you eat, how you work out, all of those things become very important to that. But in terms of me worrying about the next day, oh, that's the Lord's. Let him worry about that for you. Um, you don't have to do that. Even if people try to plot against you. The next thing we saw last week was no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And uh, that, again, in relationship to plots against you, man, you don't have to worry about um, being suspicious. One thing that I see a lot of people, especially in our maybe in our age range, is there's a little bit of paranoia that you have, a little bit of suspicion that you have. And so now it guards how it is that you interact with individuals. Man, that is dangerous. The Bible calls that evil surmising. You don't want to do that. And it was beautiful to watch that Paul really, he just said what he said, and he didn't know about this plot. And, and even when he found out, it didn't make him freak out. He just said, hey, make sure you tell the chief captain what's going on. So with that, God uses whom he pleases to help you. That's the other thing that we have to kind of come along with that. Sometimes now we want to pick and choose how it is that we're going to get the help that we're going to get. And sometimes, a lot of times, I know for me, I'm, I can be prideful in this way. I don't want help from people. Uh, I, I, want to, I want to do it. I want the Lord to just make the money show up or whatever it is. And then I sort it out. And I didn't have to involve you in prayer or whatever. And the Lord's like, that's dumb. We're not doing that, you know? And so um, I love that it was his nephew that delivered that message. And he didn't deny him. He didn't say, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a kid or whatever, right? He accepted it and said, hey, pass this information on. And the last thing, God's free man is free indeed. The one thing that we have to absolutely uh, just kind of deal with, especially as, as Marcus had mentioned, we're still in a difficult time with some of our health issues in this class or health issues of those we love or perhaps uh, you know, our children or spouses or whatever, right? All of these situations. And what the thing that you have to understand is if you are the Lord's, you are free indeed. Even if you are in a hardship. Okay, so that hardship should not dictate for you the feeling of freedom. Because what it can do is once you feel handcuffed, now it's going to change how you serve and you will start to put conditions on how, how much you're going to be available for the Lord's use. Man, you don't want to do that. And so Paul is in a tight situation. Um, we all know how to think about this. And one of the things we're going to kind of see here is just why that is, you know, ultimately we, we know why it is rather, but just there is a bigger plan in place. And so the other thing that I kind of want, you saw that the, our title is here comes the judge. 
I want to, I want you to leave this morning with something. It's not ideal to put yourself in situations where man can judge you. Now, there are going to be the ones that are for sure, uh, because you are following the Lord, because you are sharing the gospel, those things. But I'm talking about just is the state of Missouri and Kansas okay with you? Is your employer okay with you? Is the, are the leaders of this church, are you in good standing there? Wives, husbands, how is that going? Because ultimately the thing is, is you don't want to leave that up. You want to make sure that the blamelessness is right between you and the Lord so that, man, that the Lord will make peace for you around you. See, Paul had a misstep here because he shouldn't be here. And because of that, the Lord's got to teach him a lesson. And it's a long, hard lesson. So our key points are going to be this this morning. Apart from God's, uh, uh, excuse me, apart from God, man cannot discern the heart. Apart from God, man cannot discern the heart. I don't want to leave it up to a man to do the judging. I want the Lord to always do that. Why? Because, well, men aren't great at discerning the heart. They only see what's on the outside. It's like we often say, and it was said today, I, don't, I can't tell if you're saved or not. I can see by the fruit that you have, and I can kind of make some assumptions, but ultimately, that's the work of the Lord, right? We're going to see that from verses 1 through 9. Our next key point is this. Apart from God, man can't discern righteousness. Now, you would think, well, surely they can't. Mm -mm -mm. Self-righteousness. <laughs> But sometimes, think about it, how many times have you invited that individual to Bible study, to church, share the gospel with them, and they just ignore it? They're polite about it, but they politely ignore it. And this one is really critical. And where our hearts need to break and where we should be prayerful and not glad or judgmental as they have sometimes been to us, is apart from God is where the natural man will stay. Apart from God is where the natural man will stay. We'll see that in verses 24 through 27. Okay, so my purpose for you this morning is this. Be mindful to avoid the things that put me in the hands of man's judgment. We want a good testimony. And all the areas that we have to kind of interact, why? Because we should be about furthering the Lord's kingdom. And the Lord is not going to let us do that if we're kind of messy with our lives. And so get this verse down. This is critical probably to just helping us understand what is, what is God doing with his son, Paul? He loves Paul. Kidding me? Paul is the grandfather of the modern church. I mean, let's not, you know, we need to knock him down from the peg, from the pedestal that only Jesus Christ should be on. But in terms of us seeing him and having some uh, words, evil words against him, no, we should be careful. <laughs> Paul is a bad dude, but he is just a guy. And here it is. 1 Corinthians, you know it, 11, 31, and 32 says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. 
But when we are judged, get this, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. The issue is, is that he didn't listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So now the Lord's got to get the belt. Okay. And he's not mad at him. It's the lesson that he needs to learn. And God's not mad at you. I want to, I want to just tell you that. Some of you are going through things that pain you at night, keeping you up. You can't sleep. And you think God is mad at you. God is not mad at you. God loves you. God loves you. But you got to learn this lesson. And when, you know, those times where you're facing something that's going to be long and drawn out, you think about David and just the fallout of that Bathsheba relationship and what it worked out in his kids. Horrible. Horrible. And they were still like this because David knew, man, God is right. Okay, so that's how I want you to kind of think about this. And so let's dive into our first key point. Apart from man, God can't discern the heart. Get this down. Man is more interested in heaping praise onto those that mirror their interest. This is why you don't want to put yourself under their judgment in that way. Man is more interested in heaping praise onto those that mirror their interest. So again, when you are directly in, oppos in opposition of that, you're in opposition of them. Let's look here. It says, and after five days, Ananias, the high priest, descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullus, who informed the governor against Paul. One thing that you need to understand about that certain orator is this. In a, if, we, if this was a law and order, Okay, I want you to look at this like that. I keep hearing that the bell at the beginning of Law and Order, you know, as I was preparing for this, I, I was like, I wish I could play it. Because <laughs> we're, we're going to be in court today. Okay, we're going to be in court today. And now it is that the expert witness has shown up. Okay, this is what Tertullus is, is the expert witness. In 1 Corinthians 2, 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. But how? But in demonstration of the spirit and of power. The thing I want you to be looking for with Tertullus is, is he coming in spirit and power or man's wisdom? See, Paul, if you weren't in Jerusalem, and you were in Rome, like you're supposed to be, you would be having the expert witness come out against you. Psalm 11:2. for lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string. They may privily shoot at the upright in heart. And so you have to understand something, guys. When the Lord is chastening, God is letting Paul wait to be tried an expert witness make a case against him. God is allowing this to happen. So how do you look at your situation as if God is non-existent, doesn't know what's going on? And so your prayers can kind of sound like, hey, just in case you forgot I was over here. No, he knows full well where you are. And you may have put yourself there. 
And that's okay. God is with you. We saw that, right? Remember, God has already told Paul and gave him, given him the comfort of, I'm with you. Be of good cheer, right? Be of good cheer. And so now let's continue. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, seeing that by thee we enjoy, by thee, now, as he's talking to Felix, and he's going to mention that, we'll get to him. <laughs> Another awesome character. Seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness, and that very wroth deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence, we accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. So he's like, you know, kind of like a preacher. I ain't going to be up here too long. <laughs> you know, verse five. So now you can just tell this cat, he's a, you know, he's a good speaker. He's propping up the audience, right? I'm not going to be too long. And then he dives in, verse five. For we have found this man, this man being our Paul, a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader, man, ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes who also have gone about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain, uh, Lysias, uh, came upon us and with great violence took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. And the Jews, the amen corner, also assented saying that these things were so. And so if we just go back here um, to uh, verse two, we, I just wanted to point out to you that Tertullus starts with flattery and then gives praise to a wicked man. Felix is a man that did render some service to Judea. Remember that little account where the uh, chief captain had asked Paul if he was a part of that band of the, the Egyptian-led murderers? So this is attributed to Felix that he essentially uh, eradicated that situation, that he got those people, you know, dealt with and, and they were brought to justice. But also he was a man that uh, had an eye for people's wives that weren't his. And that's the Drusilla that we see later on. And so this guy, historically, okay, there's a historian, Josephus, that wrote about him and all of the little excerpts in blue letter, there's some things there you can look at for more detail. But um, yeah, this guy is not, not historically known as a good governor, um, not a good man. And so here it is with this flattery and this praise to this wicked man. And so it goes back to that earlier point that I made that man is more interested in heaping praise on those that mirror their interests. Well, Tertullus isn't all that great either. <laughs> and so, of course, it is that he can call Felix good and call Paul bad. You've seen that at work. You've seen it happen growing up, just in any kind of setting. That's not a, an uncommon thing to, to have to deal with. God has something to say, though, about flattery that I want you to get, just in case you are tempted to use it. 
Proverbs, he says, a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Hmm, Lord have mercy. A flattering mouth worketh ruin. Well, you know, that that's like that quick talker, the sales guy. I always imagine car salesmen from the 70s, for some reason, like they haven't changed their clothes. But it makes me think of, there's a movie with Kirk Douglas where he plays a car salesman and he's got the short sleeve dress shirt on and the brown slacks and everything out of his mouth is a lie, you know? <laughs> and of course, he's propping you up, he's propping the car up and you just bought a piece of junk from him, you know, kind of thing. It worketh ruin when you fall victim to those things. But sometimes we like to hear that. And that's really, you know, I'm old and old school. And so when I look at social media, of course, I kind of look at it like an older person, like, what are likes? It's flattery. It's flattery. I mean, right? I, I'm, I posted this whole lie of a life, the best sunsets that a filter could possibly manufacture. <laughs> right? I'm just saying. I'm old like that. You guys know I don't have a social media page. <laughs> Proverbs 29.5. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. Wow. Again, such strong words that God has for, for flattery. And so when we are seeing that Tertullus is kissing up to Felix, uh, it's not something that necessarily the Lord enjoys hearing. We go on and in verse five again, when it says that he is a pestilent fellow in Acts 6.13, just to bring you up to speed for those of you that haven't been with us, what are these, some of these accusations that are being brought against him? Well, he set up a false, a false witness and said, this man seeketh not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law in Acts 6.13. You guys remember that. In 16.20, he says that he... Uh, exceedingly troubles our city. Man, in 1621, he teaches customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. At that point, you know, the Jews now are trying to like, we're just trying to appeal to somebody that will hear us that Paul must be killed, <laughs> right? But the Bible says this, Matthew 5:11, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. How? For my sake. This is why you got to be careful that it's for his sake and not your sake that people have ill to say against you. And work is the place where we struggle the hardest. Because let's face it, you're at work more than you're at home. <laughs> and so the thing is, is like those relationships and, and you guys know, if you want the latest gossip, you know where you could go, whose desk you could sit at. Unfortunately, maybe it's your boss, right? You don't want to be a part of that. And I'm just telling you, you want to be able to nip things in the bud. And when evil things are kind of said about those that are your friends of yours, that you say, hey, I'd, I'd rather not be a part of this conversation. If you have some issue with them, I think you should take it up with them. <laughs> God has given me an opportunity for leadership at where I work and I have to do that quite a bit and hear both sides. And so I've just gotten in the habit of doing that, but it's tough to do. It's really easy, especially when you kind of see that person. Well, I can see the weasel in them that you kind of <laughs> admit, <it. laughs> you know, you kind of like, ah, I agree, but I can't say that. 
<laughs> you know? See, blessed are ye, guys. When they say all manner of evil against you falsely for the Lord's sake. And then it says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So if you are Paul and you are on trial and these, this guy is making these accusations, you know there's no truth. There's no merit to what it is that he's saying. How should it be that he's responding? Maybe inside, really, that he's smiling. He said, you know what? It's okay. This is okay. Go ahead. Say on. A mover of sedition. That would be an insurrection. Now, now think about that. A mover of sedition, a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Now, I did some research because I just wanted to see, especially in verse six was very key to me because it says this, who also has gone about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. Now, <laughs> so I wanted to see. So what trumped up charges would they have tried to try to bring up? The awesome thing about scripture references in your Bible is there are none that they could point to. So you won't find any reference back to an Old Testament, you know, in Leviticus or Deuteronomy or something like that. But I found something that maybe perhaps they would have thought, let's go there. We, it's a little long. It's in Deuteronomy. I didn't put it up on the screen here. It's in Deuteronomy 17. And the reason I brought you here is because I want you to understand something about God's and even in your chastising moments and how it is that it sounds ridiculous. I'm saying be comforted, be glad at all these things like right that ultimately there should be some joy in your heart. But it's because of the vindication and even the justness by which the Lord wrote this law. Okay, let's read it in Deuteronomy 17 starting in, in verse two, it says. If there be found any among you within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman, that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant. Okay, so are these guys thinking this? Maybe. Okay, now it goes on to say in verse 3, and hath gone and stirred, because it's an addition to that. So now you've transgressed the covenant and have gone and served other gods and worshiped them, either the sun or the moon or any other host of heaven, which I have not commanded. Now, Paul will be free of that. And it had been told thee, and thou hast heard it and inquired diligently, and behold, it be true. And that thing certain, look at the checks and balances that the Lord laid out there. You notice that? Every comma is, an, is another check and balance. And it had been told thee, okay? And thou hast heard of it, okay? and inquire diligently, and behold, be true, and the thing's certain. You see what I'm saying? That such abomination is wrought in Israel, then shalt thou bring forward that man or that woman which have committed that wicked thing unto thy gates, even that man or that woman, and shall stone them with stones till they die. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. So now, do we or do we not have enough to qualify there against Paul in this court. We got two, right? So we, in their mind, now think about it. When Tertullus is saying this, 
This is in relationship to what's happened in Jerusalem. Now he's in Caesarea. So there was 40. So all these cats could have been against him, right? Okay, let's keep reading though. Now, at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death, but at the mouth of one, he shall not be put to death. Just one. So the Lord is looking for a complete agreement amongst everybody of which, remember, we saw the Pharisee was like, well, wait a minute. Um, we shouldn't, if, this, if God has truly been in this man's life, then maybe we should leave it. Okay, that he hath well said, because that's following this. Now let's keep going though. Then it says, the hands of the witness shall be first upon him to be put to death and afterwards the hands of all the people. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you. And most people will probably start there. But it says this in verse eight. If there arise a man for thee in judgment between blood and blood, so like family, between plea and plea, like some sort of, you know, uh, contract and between stroke and stroke, being matters of controversy within thy gates, then shalt thou arise and get thee up into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. At what point has any of these people done that? They've made the choice, Right. And now shall come unto the priest, the Levites, and unto the judge that shall be in those days. Okay, they've done that part. And they shall show the sentence of judgment. And thou shalt do according to the sentence which they of that place which the Lord shall choose shall show thee and shall observe to do according to all that they inform thee, according to the sentence of the law which shall teach thee, and according to the judgment which shall tell thee, thou shalt do. Thou shalt not decline from the sentence which thou shalt show to the right hand or to the left. And the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge, even that man shall die. And that shall be put away from evil of Israel. So now the tables are turning on these cats in reality. They're putting themselves in a situation where the Lord has decided on the judgment. And now they will be worthy of death. Now I wanted you to see that because again, it's, it, it's a stretch to try to tie that all up like that. But again, man, Paul is clear. He is free and clear. And so the thing I want you to come away with that is, is rather large here. God is not looking to destroy you through chastisement. Okay? He's not looking to destroy you. There is a due process for judgment. There's a due process for that. Psalm 18, uh, 118, 18 says, the Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. So here it is that Paul is being chastened for the choice that he made to step out of line and basically make his own itinerary, but the Lord is still with him. And the thing is, is I have to keep reminding you of that because sometimes the, the situations and hardships that you face can really just change your view of what, who God is. And you can lose that a little bit. And you can think that, man, I may be getting the belt, but not prayerfully now. And listen, this is a parenting moment. Key tip. Um, I pray that your discipline is not when you're angry. You, they have to know that, man, there's love here. You have broken the laws. And so now you got to get the rod or the belt, or we got to have a discussion or whatever, whatever you're doing at home at whatever age they are, it's appropriate. Um, Consider that. Consider how it is you do that. You want to respond right away when it first happened. 
and anger is present there and this could be terrible. But I'm telling you, listen, that's not what your God is doing and that's not what God is doing with our Paul. He's being chastised and there's a due process to this. And so he's got to sit and listen and be respectful to the high priest and all these cats that are wicked men. But he wants to be right before the Lord. Are you willing to do that in your same situation or you just want to be vindicated? That's not going to work for you if that's the case. James 119, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Notice how swift these guys are to judge in their heart, our Paul. Very swift. See, there's something that the Lord has said, be swift too, and that's to hear, and that's it. Hear. Not to judge. Notice, Paul has learned to let whatever's going to be said be said. He didn't interrupt. Now, he was interrupted. You guys remember that? He was interrupted with a slap to the lips. I mean, it says, I'm not being funny, like it said to his mouth. He didn't even get to finish. He said, uh, you know, my conscience is good between God and man. Now, he's just quiet. That's a better way to respond. Just be quiet. You don't have to have the last word. How's that ever worked out well for you? You doing that? You know, you get pulled over for a ticket. You, I mean, you know, you were speeding. Why are we arguing about it? Take the ticket so it's quick and easy. They might, if you had the right attitude and countenance, they might let you go. I don't know how many times... I, <laughs> Let me tell you about a situation. I'm at Quick Trip on Warnell. I'm going to that Quick Trip on Warnell. And anybody that lives in that area is kind of in the Brookside area. You got to make a left-hand turn. The sign, two signs say, do not make this left-hand turn between nine and six. Guys, there are two cops that have two people pulled over. What did I do? Left-hand turn. So he steps out in the middle of the street, pulls me over, grabs my license. And I was just like, I said, ah, oh, sir, I know you heard this. I kind of chuckled just like I'm doing now. I was like, I know you heard. I didn't see the sign. He was like, you didn't, did you? Okay. <laughs> so he goes, check the license, check the, all that. He brought it back. He said, hey, man, just make sure at six, it just jams up the traffic. I'm like, thank you, sir. No problem. Done. Done. Paul has learned to let whatever is going to be said, be said. Be quiet. <laughs> Study to be quiet. Okay, key point number two. Apart from God, man can't discern righteousness. Get this down. Man cares not for what offends God if he is offended already. Man cares not for what offends God if he is offended already. And these guys are offended because they see that it's working and there's life and transformation. 
3 John 1.11 says, Beloved, follow not after, excuse me, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. And so these guys, whether they have the right titles, and yet the Lord obviously has allowed them to be in place, but just as much as we saw the example of Pharaoh, when given a Pharaoh in Egypt, when given the same opportunity, what did he choose? He was offended already. And so then he just dug his heels in. I'm not letting him go under no circumstances. Okay. You want to play uncle with God? That is really dumb. Verse 10. It's kind of a big stretch here. Okay. We're going to go all the way to 22 just so you can kind of get, because now Paul is responding. Okay. So listen up. Then Paul after that, the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, for as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do more cheerfully answer for myself. Because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem for the worship. Now think about it, and you can start doing the math. That's why the Bible's telling you he had to wait five days. He just said it's 12 days total, right? Then in verse 11, it says, because that thou mayest understand that there are yet 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem for the worship, and they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way, now you guys know when he says that, the way, you know what he's talking about, the way, right? After the way which they call heresy, so worship I, the God of my fathers, believing in all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow. You see that? Remember I said it's like um, this verbal judo that we kind of need to learn as believers. And he tied himself with them like, hey, as much as these guys are trying to detach from him, he's like, no, there are some things that we agree on. Let's find that place of agreement. Man, I love that. These guys got, I mean, you know, that's the kind of thing where you just want to take your hat. <laughs> Kill this guy when he stopped talking. No, well, the Lord's giving you these, these words. That's why they're so good. Verse 15, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. And herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings. So this would dispute the idea that he has something against Jerusalem. He said, my nation, right? I'm coming to give, bring a gift for them. Whereupon certain Jews from Asia, <laughs> I like that. He wanted to call them out. He's not, he's not even saying not these cats, but some other guys found me purified in the temple, don't miss that, neither with multitude nor with tumult, who also have been here before thee and object if they had ought against me. So not even present. The ones that initially brought up this whole dust up are not even there. Now, unfortunately, and this is just something that just tells you about men not being able to recognize righteousness, is that essentially, they will just latch on to other people's unrighteousness. So look at what we have now, right? 
We have a society, unfortunately, where the church even is trying to lock arms with these things we know that the Bible says, no, we're not okay with this. But now the church is trying to make sure and in, in being in league with the world, they're like, well, we got we to gotta keep the numbers up. Man, teach the word. That will do it. Say truth. Man, it just, if you just stay true, that will always work. And so he goes on to say, uh, who ought to have been here before thee and object that they had ought against me, or else let these same here, okay, the ones do have something against me, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called into question by you this day. I love that statement because ultimately the thing that he's saying is like, so I'm standing in front of you now, Felix, because I also believe in the resurrection. You'll see what his response is and kind of how the Lord opens it up. But I love now, do you, are you paying attention to how Paul is changing what he's saying? Initially, before he was very defensive. And he wanted to make sure he got things out and he was trying to twist it to make sure he was in league with the, the guys, men, and fathers and brothers. And, and my whole argument with him is like, dude, like, man, just go back to the gospel. Like, you don't even have to waste your time with some of these kind of empty words that you said or don't say anything. And now when he finally gets to speak, they let him finish the whole statement. And you notice that. See, this is what I'm saying about God being for you and with you in a tight situation. If you would just stick to the truth, you will actually see progress through it. The thing that happens is, is because the hardship is long, your um, endurance factor and this weakness shows itself. And then what you want to do is retreat to old habits and behaviors because why? Those things make you feel good. That's not truth. That's not truth. Stick to the truth. All Paul did was tell exactly what had happened. You don't hear anybody doing anything. You don't see anybody raising up. There's not, he's talking in front of the people that can make the final decision on how it's going to be. And so he's okay with whatever the Lord decides. So again, when you tamper, that is telling, you are telling on yourself, it's a tell, so to speak, that you don't trust what God is going to do. So now you have to manipulate it in a way that it benefits you. And then generally speaking, it never does. We got to be done with that. See, the one thing that I wanted to just remind you of, you know, in verse 16, and here and do I exercise myself to always have a conscious void of offense toward God and toward men. See, there, there's just this beauty, really, that ultimately he's like, man, I, my heart is to be at peace with everybody. It is these individuals who are finding fault in what it is that he's done. And so, man, that's just not going to stand. So as we round the bend here, last key point, apart from God, comma, must pause. Maybe we need two commas. Apart from God is where the natural man will stay. So now let's look at Felix's response in verse 23 so after paul had finished i'm sorry verse 22 after paul uh finished it says and when felix heard these things having more perfect knowledge of that way 
he deferred them and said, uh, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and that he should forbid none of his acquaintances to minister or come to him. So now this is now is turning to uh, the Martha Stewart jail time. So he went from Leavenworth to Martin, Martha Stewart's version, which is more like a resort, <laughs> you know. Man, I can have people come and see minister to me. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be great. I got a little freedom. I'm still in binds bound, bound up though. Now, is he being flogged or hurt? We saw that already, right? None of that's happening either. This is what I'm saying. Okay, guys, you need to have a way that you start looking at when you're in a hard situation and you've chosen truth, how is God at work? It's gonna be in a small way, okay? So it could be something you read that's encouraging, Maybe it is you got a chance to uh, share the gospel and actually bit down on it. Uh, or maybe you invited somebody to church and they actually show up. Or There's going to be some little way that the Lord's going to encourage you, kind of like, because the Lord knows that we are like mice. And so he just gives you a little cheese just to keep you going, <laughs> you know? So now, hey, that, don't miss that. I didn't say my little statement. Apart from God is where the natural man will stay. Man would rather have the treasure of other men than the gift that only comes from God. That's a big deal. And where do we see that? Verse 24. And so after certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was somebody else's wife, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, listen, look at this, y'all. He's actually getting an opportunity to share the gospel. And as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, man, go away for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Now get this, verse 26. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might lose him. So now with this liberty, he's like, ah, oh, you got a little bit. Maybe now you'll pay for the rest. And so it says that he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Felix was replaced with Porcius Festus. Why? Because, well, he's a wicked dude. And so my parting thought is this, man, for us. You're in a tight situation. You don't know how it's going to work out. You don't, you're feeling discouraged by it. But listen, Colossians 3.23 says this, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of person. So listen, if in this tight situation you choose to be wicked and evil surmise and manipulative and all of those things, you are going to reap that. And so with that in mind, we serve the Lord, y'all. And whatsoever we do, we should do hardly ask to him. Let's get our reward from him and not from men. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. And Lord, I pray that we would just consider what it is that you've laid before us. Lord, go before us. Guide our path, guide our mouth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.